Welcome to the Garden of Eden Dammy be asking the questions For the answers that you wanna hear All you gotta do is sit back, grab a chair Or listen up while you clean and cook Take a leaf from the creative's book These gems open your mind and your heart Okay, the show's gonna start Welcome back to the Garden of Eden podcast, everyone, uh, where ideas grow. I'm your host, Dami Eden. And today we've got a very interesting episode. Now, usually I've got, um, you know, creatives on the podcast, people who are working on creative things like musicians or uh, authors um, or journalists. But today we've got uh, uh, our first entrepreneur on the podcast. So please welcome Peju to the podcast. Peju, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited that I'm the first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when, I, when I discovered your profile and saw you were running, um, you know, multiple businesses and you'd had multiple ventures, um, I yeah. thought you'd be a really interesting person to talk to because most people are struggling to, you know, run or start one business, let alone multiple mm. So I'm sure you've got a lot of wisdom to share to, to share to the people listening to today. Um, I think so. <laughs> no, I'm sure you do, man. I'm sure you've got a lot of lessons and gems. Um, uh, it's it's my job to bring them out of you, innit? So hopefully, right, man, I've got it. the right questions for you. Um, so Pedro is a, um the founder of um, Symmetry Beauty, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a um, bridal makeup hair wig service. Um, yeah. please step in if I'm if I'm <laughs> bastardizing your thing please do so it is, it is an, essentially a beauty company that specializes in hair and makeup so we do do bridal hair and makeup so you're right in that regard but we also do wigs and weaves and hair coloring and makeup for like birthdays special events special occasions brilliant um and you're also the co-founder of uh evented limited and um yeah. treats at um and you're also an author so uh the author of a book um journey to forever so you're doing yeah. a lot Pedro. you're doing a lot <laughs> yes she is <laughs> yeah no it's it's sick it's sick um but uh before we go into into depth on the things that you're doing now um, I'd really like to start off with, you know, the early days, because I guess the early days is what informs where we move as humans throughout through our lives. Um, and just to give a bit of perspective, you know, for me growing up, I wasn't very like outwardly creative as I am now. And it was something that I had to discover years later. So one of the stories I've told quite a few times on the pod is what got me inspired to start writing the book that I'm writing at the moment is um, I was cleaning up my room at uh, I think I was probably in my early 20s at like 23 24 and I was cleaning my bedroom at home and I found all these old like um, books that had like writing and probably really bad handwriting because I was like five six seven years old and I'd written loads of these different like fictional stories so I was reading through it like, wow, I, I used to really love writing and I, I must have just forgotten as I'd gotten older. And one of the things I realized was that I hadn't finished any of the stories. So I, thought, I said to myself, I'm going to try and do that now and try and fulfill that 
um, I guess, that childhood passion. So um, for you growing up, Peju, were you that kid that was like selling sweets or selling stuff on the playground? Or was your passion for entrepreneurship found later in your life? And what inspired you to, to get started in that, in that lane? It's interesting, though, because I, I do think my, 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 or me identifying that it was an entrepreneurial spirit, should I say, that I had, um, mm. was discovered a bit later on, but in my teen years, actually. Um, but childhood-wise, I was just someone who, I, I, I always got things done. Like, at such a young age, like, I would... Mm. I could manage anything and anybody. And, you know, people used to call me bossy all the time. Um, people would be older than me and I'd be telling them what to do. Um, yeah. Just because, like, I just like to get things done. And so as I grew older, um, to be fair, I thought it was my love for money that got me into into business. But it really <laughs> Honestly, because initially I thought it was because I like to make money. And so even in terms Who of, like... Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Yeah, but, like... But money doesn't sustain these things. So I realised that although Mm. money is what got me into it initially, it's not what actually got me to start the business, if that makes sense. It got me into the industry. um, Because, I mean, I'd known how to do hair from young because I've got two sisters. And so I just enjoyed it. So I just used to practice on them. But And then I, I got to age 14 and I wanted to make money. Like I was tired of relying on my parents for like an allowance. It wasn't enough for me anymore. Mm. And so I, you know, if you're familiar with East London, I went to Upton Park and there's loads of hairdressers there. And in the summer yeah, yeah. I was 14, because you're not allowed to get a job until you're 16, innit? So I was like, okay, you know, I could do hair. Like who's going to give me a job? And someone did give me a job. And that's how it kind of started. Um, mm. And then in terms of then setting up shop, I... I think I was 17 when I started Symmetry, yeah. And it was, I was doing A-levels and my mum was like, okay, it's enough now. Like, you need to focus on school. Like, Oh, so your, your yeah, parents yeah, yeah. tried to, like, pause so your like, business activity. Like, literally just for now, like, because obviously A-levels were hard. Like, focus on this. Mm. But I was just like, you know what? I don't have to work for somebody. If I work for myself, I can dictate the hours so I can study in, you know, this time. I can, you know, book an appointment in this time. And that's how I started it, honestly. Um, yeah. And, you know, the money was too good for me to let it go. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's how you got, that's how you got started. Yeah. And with, uh, with, with that specific, like, with the business model, what was the... Like when you, when you started, how did you first like start building up like the client base? What were the steps you took initially? So it started off with friends and family and, you know, they already knew I could do it because when I was in school, I used to do my friend's hair, you know, like secondary school, Mm. Um, you know. So it was kind of, it was word of mouth because back then there was no Instagram. There was Facebook um so I did start promoting on Facebook um and then a lot of it was word of mouth like someone's you know maybe my mum's friend or like my friend or my friend's friend um and you know obviously I was cheaper than the salons because I didn't have overheads like they did um and then when I wanted to like expand I you know started posting on Facebook and 
I started at 17, I went to uni at 18. So when I went to uni, I went to Leicester, so it was outside of London. So mm. I knew that there weren't that many black hairdressers out there. So I actually decided to like make business cards. I was handing them yeah. out during Freshers Week. And so that's also how I got clients while I was in uni. Oh, um, so you capitalized on the the niche market yeah. up in up in Leicester. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. No, that's that's um that's that's really good to hear about the the beginnings, especially obviously because now I guess is a lot easier to start a business. Like you said, there was no social media. The internet hadn't matured to the level that it has today. So the the thought of starting a business was probably harder then because it didn't seem as accessible. Um, But you know what's funny? It was harder to start a business back then, but I didn't really think of it as like a proper business in that point, in that at that time. It yeah. wasn't until after uni I actually decided. I actually put. I didn't create a business plan until after uni and put a whole business module together. Mm. I think for me, I was just doing something that I enjoyed and making money off of it. That was what it was initially. So even like, oh, I was like, oh, I've got to think of a name. Like, okay, you know. So I even rebranded yeah. after uni. Um, but I think at that time, I was just, I just wanted to do something that I loved. And hey, I get paid. Hey there, Garden of Eden podcast listeners. Sorry to interrupt this episode. I just wanted to say thank you for watching and listening. If you get value from this podcast, from the guests sharing their perspectives on their journeys, um, I would appreciate if you could share this with maybe one or two people that you know will get something out of it. If you like the podcast, please subscribe or follow it on whichever audio platform you're listening to it on. Um, We've got more exciting content coming up with athletes, musicians, comedians, journalists, um, sharing their journeys towards mastery. And now back to the show. Yeah, yeah. What were the, what would you say the lessons that you learned in that? um, I guess, because it was, I guess you could class it as like the startup phase, right? Where things were a little bit messy, like there's no process, there's no structure, but you kind of make it work in some way. What would you say were the biggest takeaways you had in that for, I guess, three years, if you're at uni for three years or four years where you'd started and things were, you, you hadn't even defined a business plan. What were the things that you picked up just like, the the I guess the skills that you picked up in the trenches. So um, I guess one of them was working on the on fear, um, in terms mm. of just doing it. Um, you know, I said to you that in Freshers Week I was handing out business cards. I was never the person that would just go up to people. People used to call me Stush because. I'm a nice person and I'm friendly, but until when I'm like, when I know you in it, do you know what I mean? But I yeah. ha- I'd had to like put on like that hat on and say, okay, I'm about to sell myself and my brand and speak to girls that I don't know, um, you know, speak to people, sell my business to people um, and not let fear hold me back. So I guess, you know, even getting that kind of courage and boldness to do that, um, I think one big thing, like I said, is that I initially thought it was money that kind of motivated me to start a business. But even in that period, I realized that 
that wasn't enough to sustain me. Like I had to enjoy what I was doing in order for me to continue because yeah. running a business while studying, I studied law and that, that in itself was very, <sighs> very time consuming. Um, yeah. You know, I'd had to take some time off like around exam time and I won't take any bookings and things like that. But being able to keep it going while, you know, following yeah. Uh, studying it wasn't an easy ride um so i would say Definitely. you know and then perseverance it really taught me to just keep pushing like um yeah yeah i definitely hear the perseverance aspect because especially doing law which is such an intensive degree on its own like yeah. just doing that on its own is a lot and like yeah. having having to like managing a business on the side is also a lot anyway yeah. combining the two is mad but Definitely. you I guess you got to have perseverance because there were probably a lot of times where you're thinking you know what I could just quit this or did you mm-hmm. not in the beginning stages but um a few years ago I I did almost quit um mm. I it kind of got to a point where I felt like the business was stagnant. So it was growing, 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 and then it stopped growing. And then for me, I feel like if something's not growing, then it's regressing. And mm. because it had gotten to the point where it was, the focus was a lot on business, I had to, I mean, I did speak to uh, a, a mentor who's in my industry, who's obviously years ahead of me about it when I was going through the phase of, you know, do I quit this, this business? Cause obviously I have two other businesses that yeah. are pulling me in different directions. So where this one isn't really growing and it's taking a lot of my time, I'm like, well, is this still worth my while? And so, mm. you know, I kind of had to speak to her, engage her perspective. And she said, to be honest with you, a lot of us do go through these type of phases, but from what she, what she advised me to do was to actually go back to why I started, you know, find reignite that passion and then take it from there Mm. and so that's what I had to do so you know in that time I invested you know a good amount of money on doing courses to expand my skills to find that love for hair again so you know styling hair a certain type of because the thing is I never thought I was a creative person for example but when you style hair especially bridal hair you realize that you're creating something out of nothing. And it's the same with makeup as well. So where I was then, you know, just allowed to just create, um, I then, you know, reignited that passion. And I was like, okay, let's sit down, strategize. And I knew that the bouncing back wasn't just going to be instant. It was going to be a process. Um, And so that's how I was able to get back into, okay, let's focus on this let's do this and do this properly um and yeah. thankfully it's been upward trained since then um but these things do happen like I, I i don't want people to think that entrepreneurship is always like an uphill journey you know you mm. do have your highs and your lows um and it's just about whether you can keep pushing or not yeah that's really interesting you know that um that bit you mentioned about investing in your skill set that was to do yeah. with the product that you were delivering. Cause I, yeah. I guess a lot of people, um, you know, would, would take on different routes, like maybe bringing someone else to, to help them out because they've lost 
the 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 strength to to, to keep going in the same capacity. Yeah. But for you to double down is sick, and that that might actually help someone, you know. Yeah. Um, investing in their in 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 the actual like skill set of mm-hmm. of um of like the service that you're delivering. Yeah. Um, and the thing you mentioned on passion actually, because it's quite common in um like business advice that I see out there on the internet. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I usually see one or the other where people are saying you either create a business based on passion or you build it based on utility, um, based on like evergreen industries in the world. Um, So I was curious, actually, before you went into the the piece about being passionate about the work, uh, about the business that you have, um, about deciding on being very present in the the wedding industry. Um, So was that? Did that also grow from your passion for like weddings or was that more based on like uh, the evergreen nature of weddings? Because I mean, at least in this generation, there's probably still weddings are probably still going to still be uh, had by the majority. Maybe future generations are going to be completely different, at least in the Western world anyway. But at least for now, it looks like there's it's still an industry that's going to be here and going to be needed for millions of people. Um. So, uh, which which of which of those reasons was it appealing to you, and what do you think on of that advice, like passion versus utility, um, when starting I a business? Think, I think I agree that it should be you know one or the other. I think for me, it's always been passion, because I'm genuinely I am a passionate person. So that's probably why sometimes when I speak, I speak with so much passion. Um, but yeah. so with regards to like going into the events industry, um, it didn't start off with planning weddings. It started off with planning events. Oh, um, and, right. And, and the, the, it came out of, you know, I told you, I just always get things done. I'm a very organized person, but also mm. I enjoy, I enjoy it. I enjoy putting things together. I enjoy, you know, starting something from scratch and seeing the end result you know, you put someone's, you put a birthday party together, someone just comes to you with an idea and yeah. you are able to see it through, you know, put all the work behind the scenes and then you see it come to life. And it's the same with a wedding, you know, someone's got their special day um, and they tell you what their vision is and you go on this journey with them and you are able to create something beautiful and memorable for people. So it's it's mm. one of those things where it's like, I don't know, in 50 years, maybe people won't want to do weddings, but people are still going to want to celebrate special occasions. And it's it's cool. always about that. You know, you want to you want to celebrate the launch of a business. You want to celebrate the launch of a book. You know, um, you want to do a fashion show, whatever it is. It's about bringing that idea to life. So even with my business um, where we do bridal hair and makeup, it's not just for weddings, it's for special occasions. I actually started with prom because oh, I was, that, I was okay, around yeah. that age yeah so it's it's evolved and developed over time to you know weddings because being a part of someone's big day special day is such an intimate time and it's it's very precious and I really do hold it very dearly um, yeah a lot of pressure as well I imagine a lot of pressure is, when the, is, the, the the um the 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 what's it the brides the The brides are like yo this has to bang the exact way i want it to because if not and i honestly i love my brides because they genuinely trust me and so Mm. you know when 
when they because you have to trust someone to be able to actually put this in their hands isn't it and when they yeah. see how they look at the end and they look fit they look so amazing and they're so happy um and it's exactly what they wanted and more it's it even makes you feel super fulfilled like i'm not just doing this for me i'm doing mm. this and i'm impacting someone's life in some way um so honestly it's it, it has stemmed from a place of passion. But I do think, you know, utility also has a part to play in this because, you know, people do need events and occasions and times to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I see the, the evergreen nature in that, actually, like the events yeah. aspect of, of, of the business that you have. And, and yeah, it's just interesting for me because I always think that uh, for me personally, I feel like the passion mainly needs to be there because, you know, like you were mentioning earlier, you had a really diff like you had a period where things were a bit stagnant and you felt like you wanted to quit. And it was the passion that brought you back in and gave you like um, a boost to, to, to uh, I guess, get what you got out of it before um before you had that dip and um yeah i think i think that's just necessary to to sustain in those difficult in those difficult times because i guess if it's just utility when things get hard it's probably easy to just be like you know what just gonna pack it in this exactly. is there's, yeah. there's no point continuing so yeah i'm on i'm on the same page with that um so Another question um, that I have out of curiosity from my own experience, because I've dabbled in entrepreneurship myself, okay. I would say I'm probably not, prob it's probably not the lane for me in, in, upon reflection, at least not now in, in this stage of my life. I think I'm just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of, it's, it's, it's a lot of uh, like getting shit done and doing it in, in, in good time is it's probably a little bit hard for me at this stage <laughs> maybe one day but um one thing I do remember from my little stint is that it's very easy to just do busy work while you're um trying to build um something entrepreneurial so what are the main um activities that you do on a daily or on a regular basis that you focus on so that you're generating revenue for the long term and not just doing work for the sake of being busy so the thing about business when you there's there's working on the business and there's working in the business and some some entrepreneurs or some business owners they work on the business they don't work in the business but for me i work i do both i work for i work so when i say work on the business that's you know the strategy the structure mm. um you know how do we want to grow? How do we want to expand? You know, hiring staff, training staff, things like that. Um, even to the point where, you know, not too long ago, I took over my website and redeveloped it all myself because... Oh, wow. Wow. just weren't doing what I needed them to do. Um, so, you know, things like that take a lot of time. Yeah, because um, it's one thing to also come up with a strategy or a structure but it's another thing to implement it so these do take time and then you have working in the business which is you know 
obviously planning the events, running the events, the admin for the events, or, you know, if it's mm. hair, actually doing hair, actually doing makeup, actually styling the bride, actually making the wig, responding to emails. I do need an administrator, though, because it's getting a bit much. Responding to emails. People, Peggy's hiring. Get into her DM. I, She's I hiring. I'm hiring for all, <laughs> all roles. Hairstyling, <laughs> makeup, event assistant, admin assistant, whatever. I'm hiring because I need help. But essentially um it, it it can be a lot and sometimes you can find yourself doing so much but there's not much productivity and so what i try yeah. to do is plan like i plan to the t like when i tell my friends like i plan before we go out i'm there's hardly any spontaneous outings that i have these days <laughs> if it is it's fantastic and we'll do it but yeah like you know i everything's in my diary and so when i say i'm planning to ensure that i'm not just doing things for to be busy but also to be productive what i do is and this is how the working in the business and on the business come into play what Mm. i do is i i have a plan for the year so i have the goals and then i put a strategy in place and then i set an action plan how am i going to achieve these goals yeah and then i break it down so i have it for the year and then i break it down into quarters and so i say you know in q1 i'm going to do x y and z to be able to achieve this to then be able to get make it to this end goal um Mm. obviously my business is also they have peak seasons and they have you know not so busy seasons so again Mm. you have to be really strategic with that um and then when i break down my goals to quarters based on that what am I doing this month? You know, on a month-to-month yeah. basis, what am I actually going to do this month? So in terms of, you know, the bookings that I'm taking, you know, in terms of the, what's it called? The actual, like, strategic plans that I'm putting in place, the marketing that I'm going to do, or, you know, the promo videos or the photo shoots, whatever it is that right. I'm going to do. Um, and then I then have my weekly to-dos. So... You know, some people might think it's a bit excessive, but this is what I've had (laughs) to create to make sure that my weeks, my days are productive. I also actually plan my rest days and my holidays. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, because... All all ahead of schedule, right? Like, let's say a year ahead of time or... No, not a year ahead. Like, for the month, isn't it? Oh, okay, for them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, but sure. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I've I've had burnout seasons as well where, you know, I've literally mm. burnt out because I was doing so much and I couldn't do anything because I was burnt out. So, But essentially what I make sure I do is try not to just do things based on activity um, and actually be productive and proactive as well because a lot of the time when you're in the business things happen that like you're trying to troubleshoot things you're always reacting to things and it can take you off course and then you realize oh hold on a minute this whole quarter what have we actually achieved as a business we've just been reacting or you know just mm-hmm. do working in the business as opposed to on the business but I did I do have because I do have like a, I do have a YouTube channel um, called navigating entrepreneurship and it's also like on spotify and apple and i have Jeez, a, a little plug where i kind of 
you listen come on you this is the platform for it plug yourself it's, it's, all, yeah. it's all about entrepreneurship so it's for yeah. entrepreneurs and because you know i've been in i've been in business for over 10 years now it's it's about the things that i've learned but also i speak to other entrepreneurs so similar to you how you speak to people um and understand this so i speak to other entrepreneurs about specific topics in areas that they're experts in so i do have an episode mm. where i kind of spoke about like strategic planning and goal setting um it's helped me for the last two three years um it was a business strategist that actually told me about it um and so mm. you know i i swear by it i've lived by it and so anyone that wants to try it please go ahead and do so and let me know how it goes Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, that's definitely something that I wasn't practicing in my, in my days of dabbling. So I think maybe I should have, um, fucked off on your YouTube video before I even tried to start. But no, in all seriousness, I can see how that works because you, I guess you basically have like your bigger goals and the activity you need to do to achieve them. And then you chunk it down into smaller bits so that it, then like can be dispersed amongst your days weeks months yeah. and it um, makes it makes those goals seem less scary because sometimes you set goals and you're like how in the world am i going to achieve this but if you actually break it down you'll see that it's actually achievable mm. curious though how did you respond when the pandemic hit because obviously if you're planning to that degree and something of that nature hits it must be like a I mean, for everyone, it was very unsettling. But when your structure is so set in place and so, like, well-planned, how did you respond? So I must, I should have put a caveat. As much as, as, much as I'm very structured and I'm a planner, when you do event planning, you know that you have to be willing to adapt to any situation and circumstance that comes your way mm -hmm. because things don't always go according to plan. Funny enough, the pandemic was a blessing in disguise for me because I needed that rest. <laughs> like, it wasn't great that yeah. I wasn't making money in that time. Mm. And thank God I still had a job. Yeah. But <laughs> I needed it because it also gave me time to think and plan and strategize. Okay, so I run service-based businesses. How can my businesses still function if I cannot provide these services? So I started thinking about products I can put out. Mm. Um, and, and that's when I wrote my book. I wrote my book in the pandemic. I wrote my book in three months in lockdown. Oh, wow. Wow, three months. Yeah. Mad. Super quick. But the thing is, I was writing about an industry that I've been in for so many years. It's a wedding planning book from beginning to end, how to plan your wedding. Um, and I created resources, you know, that people can use, worksheets, mm. things like that. But if the pandemic didn't happen, I wouldn't have even thought to create or write a book. Like, you know. Yeah. And it's another, it's another channel, even if, it's, even if it, it in itself doesn't make money like I think what do they call those like loss leaders or something of that nature it's still a way to bring people closer to like what what you're doing in terms of events yeah, and weddings definitely. as well like it's a it's a really good um yeah like product or how would you say like uh a way to like for people to open the door to everything else that you're doing right Ab absolutely and the thing is you know I'm only one person and I can't plan everybody's event 
you know so I you know I know people in mm. America that have my book you know take the book yeah. run with it plan the wedding of your dreams or get a plan up but you still have this guide to help you yeah. and ease your stress in the process um you know I'm, I don't believe in hoarding knowledge I believe in sharing knowledge so I have this information why not yeah man free up the knowledge free up the knowledge that's why we've got these podcasts and... i've had to pay for knowledge but it's okay uh, uh, yes it's all right you know <laughs> make sure you pay the fee on amazon no um trying to forge these books through them random websites let's let's pay no, the creators please yeah <laughs> um so moving moving along um uh, and I think you've alluded to it a little bit uh, early in the podcast, but it would be good to get a like direct perspective on it. Um, and this is about failures and failures can be really good lessons um, when developing a, a skill or in the pursuit of a wider goal or a journey. So what failures have you had in entrepreneurship that have been or that have offered you like the most valuable lesson so far would you say that's a really good question um what i would say i think when i went through that period where my business was regressing mm. um i would say that that was a failure in that time and um it really taught me made me realize that I was really letting fear hold me back from doing certain things. And in the grand scheme of things, it's the people who dare to do things, who take mm. those steps and leaps of faith, who are not afraid to share what they do, um, speak to people about what they do, promote themselves um, mm. and, you know, not feel conscious about the fact that you're constantly promoting yourself and putting yourself out there and showing what you do because you you have to believe in yourself um yeah. and actually share that with the world not everybody's going to be your client not everybody's going to be your customer but there are people out there that will be and so not allowing the fear of i might not be good enough or i don't really want them to see me like this or you know, I don't really want to portray myself in this light, not allowing that to hold you back. Because honestly, I found that when it came to business, it was people who were constantly plugging themselves, constantly putting themselves out there, constantly taking those steps and making those decisions that, mm. you know, are in those places today. Yeah, it's actually, it's, I, I'd say that's like a, especially now with social media, where it is today, it's the it's a universal fear, right? People, yeah. include. I'm, I'm even speaking from a personal place as well. Like it's very daunting yeah. to put yourself out there constantly and promote yourself because of insecurities, fears, judgments, etc. But um, as you've alluded to, from freeing yourself from that fear, um, it's benefited you, right? And, and you've seen it's benefited other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 powerful because there's a lot of people in the I guess in the creative world who 
who pour a lot of their, um, I guess, their vulnerable side and their vulnerable um, expression through their art. But because of that, are very fearful of sh- sharing it to, to the world. So no, it's a, it's a good lesson for, for people to learn. Um, were there any others that you would say you, you learned along the way as well that were more, I guess, oriented around like business itself or? Don't get too comfortable. There are like 10,000 people behind you trying to take your spot. Mm. Um, I always say that there's enough room for everybody to win and I believe that, but I also believe that we shouldn't get complacent because, you know, there's always going to be someone who's more hungry coming Mm. behind you and it could easily, easily overtake you if you get comfortable. Yeah. You gotta look out for the customer, innit? They're there. You gotta make sure they're happy with every interaction they got with you. Is that is that what you essentially not, not boil it down to? That it's more so be innovative and creative. Think outside the box. Don't don't get comfortable with how things have always been and expect it to mm. always be like that. Um, I remember I told you I started pre-social media. So yeah. a lot of people that started in social media actually have a bit of an advantage than to me because I'm not, I, I've had, I don't really like social media like that. Yeah. But I've, had to, <laughs> I've had to adapt and adjust because that's how people are buying things these days. That's how people are finding brands these days. You know, social media influencing was never a thing before, but now it mm. is like a huge marketing tool. And so you know, not getting comfortable in the fact that, yeah, I've been getting clients. I do have clients. Um, I don't need to put my business out on social media and actually realize that times are changing and, you know, you need to adapt, adjust, think creatively as well. How do you set yourself apart from the next person who's doing the exact same thing as you, who's also very skilled. Obviously, nobody's like you. You are unique in who you are, and your clients would always come mm. to you, but how do you set yourself apart? That's also a really big thing. Um, I think for me, I'm always just trying to think of what can I do to better myself from how I was yesterday or the day before. Um, mm. And so that applies also to my businesses. If I if I get complacent, because this is why I said that I did the courses as well. And it's actually um, mm. highlighted to me the fact that I should be doing them more regularly and more often because there's so much knowledge out there and so many new things I can learn that I can bring to my business. Um, I can, you know, change things i can improve should i say that's the word i'm looking for i can improve how i'm doing things how i'm delivering my service how i'm styling people to how i'm planning people's events um so yeah yeah it's really you know what yeah being adaptable is so, so important um and i guess even i guess it's a big example to use but you know you've seen like some humongous businesses that you know, you would have looked at and thought, yeah, they're never gonna, they're never gonna crash, they're never gonna go, 
yeah, to where it's like exactly. look at like a blockbuster or like a toys r us or any of these businesses that didn't adapt even um because i used to work in the fashion industry and top shop obviously the arcadia group was, yeah you know flagship fashion retailer for britain for mm. 100 plus years yeah. and because they didn't adapt to the internet and you know um moving things away from stores and online they got crushed and yeah. finished so yeah it's a it's i guess it's a lesson for everyone that you're never too big or you're never too set to not adapt to the changing times because you'll yeah. get eaten you'll get eaten up definitely yeah um so uh i mentioned earlier that i dabbled in a little bit of entrepreneurship so um i tried a business on my own which was a social media agency it didn't quite work out um, and then I tried to start another business with a co-founder in 2019. Now, I'm not going to say any names or put anyone on blast, but unfortunately, that relationship didn't really work out. Um, it started off with a lot of promise, but I think as we, um, as we went along uh, working on the business together, it became very clear that actually we weren't very well aligned. Mm. Um, and obviously, you have... Um, a company with a with a co-founder um, that you're running at the moment and I was curious to find out how you assess potential business partners and what do you look for when establishing that they're the right people so that you know not very long so that you prevent you know a situation where a few months after starting together you're cutting ties um, how do you yeah how do you navigate that that's a really good question. I actually did a whole YouTube video on that as well uh, with my business partner and also um, two other guys who are business partners um, for a really big social enterprise. Mm. Um, and one of the big things I would say when it comes to considering business partnership is you have to make sure that you guys share the same vision for the business. Um, your vision has to be aligned. Otherwise, you're not going to be going in the same way. There's going to be a lot of division in the business. The decisions yeah. you make are not going to be aligned. You know, it's just, it's not going to work. I think another thing for me that's really big is work ethic. Um, mm. I I understand we all have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, we have we all have areas of strength, and I think it's very important to understand and identify each person's strong suit and work and like kind of play to that. But I think it's also yeah. important to identify if this person's work ethic kind of matches your, even if it doesn't match yours, you know that this person is hard working and they're going to pull their own weight if that makes sense right yeah times everybody goes through times and seasons in their life where they might not necessarily at that point in time be um what's the word i'm looking for be able to put 100 at that specific time but if it's yeah. a regular thing where you're putting 100 this person's always putting 50 40 20 30 it's not Ooh, gonna work conflict so, yeah and it's, you're, you're just going to feel like this is a 
50-50 partnership but I'm doing most of the work or the heavy lifting like what part are you actually playing and there are different ways that you can actually identify people's work ethic um I think in mm. in my YouTube video one of the examples one of the guys used was if you were um planning a group holiday um and this mm. person in the, in the group chat never really comes forward with ideas or doesn't actually take any responsibility and it's just there, like anything you guys say, okay, I'll send you my money, I'll do this. Then at least you know that, okay, if you are looking for someone who's going to be proactive, that's not your person. Maybe if you're looking for someone who's going to be able to, you know, bring clients, for example, maybe by, he's, maybe this person is really good at connecting with people and is very friendly and that's what you're looking yeah. for in a partner, then that could work. But if that's not what you're looking for in a partner, then it's not going to work. So it's also important. That's why I said identify each other's strengths and know what you're looking mm. for. Um, but my my biggest thing is vision. You have to you have to have the same vision, the same goal for that business. Yeah. You know what? As you were talking about the vision aspect, I was thinking back to my own experience and I was reflecting on the fact that at the start, we had slightly different ways of how we saw the I guess the end goal at the time and yeah. I guess yeah that plays out because then you're starting at different points already and then yeah. you're just yeah then the I guess the fractures come into the relationship and then that filters into the work and the energy you're putting yeah. in and then ultimately it's like yeah we're not this isn't um we're not in synergy right yeah yeah and um because how, how long have you been um how long have you been working with your co-founder for now? Since 2016, so six years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's a long time. And um, the reason I ask that is, has there ever been moments within that business relationship where you've had to, I don't know, renegotiate or, or not necessarily renegotiate, but like reestablish the terms between each other and reestablish how, you're going to move uh, in your working relationship together um, because I guess people do change and things do change over time too, right? So even though at the start you have the same vision and the same work ethic, et cetera, how, um, ha has there ever been moments where you've had to like reassess things together and, and how do you, yeah, what, what's that like? How do, you, how do you manage that to keep the business fruitful? Yeah, we've definitely had that. Um, where we both kind of got to a point where we wanted to revisit the direction the business was moving in. And we mm. both have had slightly different ideas of how we wanted it to be. So we kind of had to speak and discuss on how we're going to do this. So we agreed that, okay, one person will kind of lead on one kind of division of the business and another mm. person will do that so that it's still it's it's evolving and it's growing as we are also evolving and growing um but we need to make sure that we're on the same page because what you don't want is for one person to be doing one thing and another person to do another thing um and then mm. the business is like all over the place so let's come together and let's find a some sort of compromise or a level playing ground and then figure out how do we maneuver so 
um, coming forward with the ideas of, okay, you oversee this aspect, you oversee this aspect was kind of our resolution. And I think one thing to just say is that when it comes to business partnerships, communication is very key. Mm. Um, and even when there were times where, you know, I wasn't too happy with certain things or the way certain things were being done or she wasn't too happy, we would talk about it. Like, okay, yeah. you know, I don't feel like you did this well. You did, you're, you're doing this as, you know, we'd agreed or, you know, I feel like you didn't handle that situation in the best way. I, I, I think you should have done this or, you know, you should have spoke to me or whatever it is, like have those conversations. Um, even if you feel like, okay, the person isn't pulling their weight, have that conversation. You never know, that person could actually be going through something at that point in time. So it could mean that you might just need to step in for a short period or maybe that person has been slacking and they need to be told and they need a little kick up the mm. backside to pick up the, you know, the, the pace. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. very important to, to, to communicate. Yeah, I've, I've realised, um, like, in my professional career as, as um, time's gone on and I've watched people in higher positions and, and um, seen, like, what the differences are at that level, it, it seems to me that, the higher up you go, the more effective your communication has to be because there's so many moving parts that you can't actually like oversee as an individual. So yeah. for them to be, for things to be as aligned as possible, your communication needs to be on point. And I guess, yeah, when, you, when you're working with someone on a business at that level where you're both managing so many things, if communication isn't on point, then yeah, things can break down pretty quickly, I imagine. Yeah. yeah, you have to be willing to have difficult conversations. Mm. Definitely. Um, so uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, mentorship and obviously it's, it's generally well known that mentorship it can be quite valuable. Um, for myself at the moment, I'd, I wouldn't say I have a mentor. I just like watch certain people online. So like the Gary V's or like Jay Shetty or these kind of people. I'll tune into their content and kind of take that as a form of mentorship. And I know you mentioned when you were in a difficult period, you had a mentor that rekindled your or helped you find a way to rekindle your passion um, uh, it, within your business. Um, so have, there, have you had any other mentors that have helped you significantly in your journey as an entrepreneur? And, and what were the like valuable things you learned from them how did you access them um i'd love to hear it and i'm sure anybody who's listening who is thinking of trying to get a mentor would love to hear that too so to be honest with you most of my mentors i've never met them oh okay um i similar to you have a lot of people that i watch from afar afar read their books, you know, listen to them, watch their videos, follow them on social media, see how they do things, how they run things, try to learn from other people, mm. um, sign up to whatever workshops or is that they're doing. Um, and then I do have um, a business mentor um, who she became my mentor in the pandemic, actually. Um, right. And, you know, I'd speak to her about my goals for my business and she would like speak to me about, you know, things that I probably wouldn't have even thought about and how to kind of go about that or focus on this or 
you know it's good to have someone who's further along with the journey than you are and has more experience than you are who can advise you and guide you and even make you see things from a different perspective or think about things that you normally wouldn't have thought about um mm. uh, another and like I, I do really believe that books are a really really great tool and I've learned yeah. so much just by reading books um another key thing for me is I have a lot of horizontal relationships in the sense that I have a lot of relationships with other entrepreneurs and so mm. you know we might yeah. have been in business for around the same time or they might have even been in business for less than less than I have but there's still so much I can learn from them you know or even yeah. bounce ideas off of them or if I'm feeling deflated it's easier to talk to someone who is going through something similar to you or has been through that um yeah you know so yeah it's great to have the vertical relationships with people who are you know higher and above but it's also good to have the relationships with people who are on a, on a similar journey to you mm. yeah yeah I've, I've you know what I can really relate to that because um in like this I guess creative field as well like other people who are I guess at the beginning of their journey or like early in the journey can share a lot of the same experiences you, you have live in real time. And I guess you're both yeah. kind of helping each other up, whereas maybe it might seem a bit difficult for someone who's further along in their journey. They might be able to relate in some ways, but they might not be able to come up with you at the same time. Um, so I definitely see the value in that. But um, yeah, books as well. Books being a a good resource. I mean. It's something I always hear <laughs> my mom say, say to me and my sister. And it's always like, yeah, well, the internet's there. But I guess, yeah, the way, I guess the way books are synthesized, right? Um, it could be audiobooks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Going to get bare people on the Audible subscriptions. They're not sponsoring us, by the way. Just, just anybody listening. Audible aren't sponsoring us. But if, if you work at Audible and you're listening... Holla at me and, and at Pedro as well, because she brought up audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, coming towards the end of the, the podcast now, um, and I've got a couple of things that I'm, I'm curious about, and I hope you'll, you'll be willing to share a bit of insight into, into this. Um, so obviously, um, in society, it's no, it's, it's no secret that discrimination is obviously still rife and is no stranger in the business world or industry, you know, in terms of securing funding, securing loans, business even from, from clients or from intermediaries. Um, and especially, you know, yourself as a, as a black woman, there's a lot of potential discrimination that you, you could face. And I'm curious to learn if there have been any challenges that you feel that you've had to overcome um as 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 a result of being a black woman and how you have overcome them um because i'm sure that that would be quite um that could be quite helpful or valuable for somebody listening or people who are unaware completely could be given a bit of insight into what that's like i think for me personally um i haven't had any 
experiences business-wise um, that I can share. But I have had in the corporate world mm-hmm. um, being represented a certain way or, you know, being I've been bullied um, at work. I've been, mm. you know, there's been a lot of incidents. And, you know, I worked in, in working in the corporate industry can be quite tough. Um, mm. And also being someone who's very outspoken, it can be a challenge. Um, so I think for me, it's hard. It's, it's a hard one. Um, I'm yeah. glad I'm, I'm out of that ghetto, but I do know that a lot <laughs> of my sisters are still in there. So how do of we course. navigate this to something that we're constantly fighting, something that yeah. we're constantly, um, you know, trying to, it's 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 a hard one um do you think the answer is for um because yeah uh do you think the answer is for us to create our own industries do you think that's the answer or do you think there's still a way we can carve out one in a predominantly like white western world i'm curious to know what you think i don't think that's the answer because the the the, the key thing is that we still need to be seen as equal. We still mm. need to be seen for what we can do and who we really are. And we, we, we constantly, there's a glass ceiling for us, whether we like to believe it or not. And, you know, mm. you, can, you would probably have to work 10 times harder to prove that you're, you, know, you need to be there or you need to have a seat at the table than your caucasian counterpart and that's not okay and so Mm. it's not about creating our own industry no it's one world and we still need to be seen as equal to everybody and be valued for who we really are and what we bring to the table we shouldn't have to continue to fight and i do feel like it's very important for more of us to have seats at these high top tables so we can be making changes from the top down. Mm. And I also feel like we need to support our own more. It's very, very important for us to do that because we are the minority. And so we really do need to support more of ourselves and you know treat ourselves better and do better for ourselves. Um, but you know, it's it it's 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 a long journey, but I I am mm. very very hopeful that things are going to change, that things are starting to change slowly, but you know, we're getting there. I mean, the other day I was having a conversation about the fact that in the beauty industry, you know, as a makeup artist, as a hairstylist, I've been trained. I know how to do all types of hair and all mm. skin types, but you have you know, white makeup artists or hairstylists in the fashion industry who cannot do black people's hair or makeup. It should be a standard. Mm. It like, should be standard. It should, it should be, standard. be standard. Exactly. You have black models, but you don't have people that know how to do their hair or makeup. Like it's unacceptable. Wow. Um so <sighs> These are the type of things that need to change. Yeah, that is a shocker, to be fair. If you've got people, (laughs) 
that are actually, you know, you've got black people in the industry, but you can't actually do the work on them. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Sorry, you were gonna you were gonna say something else, I think. No, no, no. Yeah. Um I think with the with the support in our own, I feel like um while it's not probably where we want it to be, um, because I I do I know it's going a little bit of, of of a tangent away from the original question, but I know that one of the things that disappoints me actually is seeing like how many other um I guess how many other cultures have been able to create commerce and like bricks and mortar in the country in less time than we've been here as a as like as a as a race of people. Um like there should be there should definitely be more like Nigerian corner shops here because there's so many of us here and like there's not that much infrastructural business in the UK like as uh, that reflects how many of us are here in my opinion anyway do you know that the hair shops that sell black hair and black hair products are owned by asians yeah yeah like pax's one for example the shops that sell nigerian food african food are owned by asians not all of them but a lot of them Mm. like it's it's crazy to me like I completely agree that we definitely need to do more, need to do better, and also support our own. Like I'm all the way here for supporting black businesses, all the okay. way here. But mm. I also think it's very important that black businesses also support their customers, i.e., treat them right. Yeah, of course. So of course. you know, customer service is something that we really need to work on in our in our in our culture. To be very honest with you, but you know that still shouldn't deter us from supporting our own people because there are still people out there who deliver excellent service and do a great job. But it's also important for us to try and open doors for other people. If you've been able to get through to this point, don't feel like by pulling up another person is pulling you down. The more of us Mm. that can get through these doors, the better. Because that way we can at least start breaking down these walls and breaking down these barriers. But Mm. I feel like we see ourselves a lot as competition and we shouldn't be seeing ourselves as competition. Actually, we're in this together, trying to create a better, something better for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you do see that um, uh, because you're probably aware of it, you know, the um, Black Pound Day initiative um, by um, Swiss from So Solid. Um, shout out to him shout out to that initiative it got me on a few um, companies like that I just wasn't aware of like clothing yeah. brands specifically um, when I'm using <laughs> Uber Eats now as well I make a conscious effort to try and get from Tasty or another African um, food joint as well but yeah I think I think the awareness of it has, has definitely increased and I think they even posted something a few months ago where they said that in in the time since um the pandemic and when they launched because i think they launched off the back of what happened to george floyd in america yeah um and when black lives matter was at the top of the conversation and in mainstream media i think they launched at that time and they said from 2020 to 2021 
the business owners that had launched on our platform, I think they'd said they'd seen their revenues double in oh, wow. in the year from 2020 to the end of 2021. And obviously one of the big things about change and revolution is that it generally comes in the form of who's got money. the money. Yep. And absolutely. so money if look at yeah yeah and if you're looking at it from that lens then maybe things are slowly improving but yeah definitely it's definitely a noticeable thing that I think you know in our community specifically um could could be a lot better but um yeah hopefully hopefully we're on the journey towards that um that happening um I know you mentioned as well quickly that uh you know, cust- about customer service being a thing. Do you believe in that saying that the customer is always right? Um, and if not, what what do you think the saying should actually be? What What is the nuance there? I don't believe the customer is always right. Honestly, I think like some customers are actually mad. But... <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> as a customer... And as yeah. a business owner, I think the key thing should be how do I create the best solution for this customer as well as my business? Mm. So, yeah. yeah, because you might not even want this person as a customer because they might have shown their ass, but <laughs> you don't want this person tarnishing your brand. You don't want this person mm. causing you to lose other valuable customers because they hadn't experience with you even though they were not right so how do I try to adapt or adjust or accommodate this situation or like you know how can I how can I sort this out in the best way possible and ensure that it doesn't affect my bottom line you know um we also understand that we all have different perspectives and this person might see things a certain way you might not necessarily agree with it but you know, some people are in their own eyes, they're right in their own eyes. I'm not going to argue with you about that, but how do I find a solution? I'm all about finding a solution, but I also think it's very important to also be empathetic. Put yourself in that customer's shoes. If I was mm. encountering a business, um, and how would I want to be treated? How would I want them to respond to me in that manner, in, in, in that instance? How would I want mm. them to, you know deal with this situation if I was a customer because we also interact with businesses ourselves all the time so it's just I think it's about changing your mindset and your perspective it's not a pass because people take things very personally like no one's attacking you personally because your business is like your baby in it so they take it very personally no it's not an attack on you as a person but understand that this is a customer and how do we treat this situation in the best way we can. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Is that something you had to learn um, when you first started? Because obviously you were doing everything pretty no, bootstrapped yeah, at the beginning, enough. or was it? So you always knew in your heart that actually this, however, whatever business result happens, this isn't personal against me. So the, the truth of the matter is, I was raised in a customer service era, working in retail and things like that. Customer was always right in them instances. Everyone, uh, I thought, yeah. like, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're moving but, mad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I was taught to, okay, how do we get the best outcome? I, I really feel that work experience definitely helps a lot 
before jumping into business. Um, but also, for the longest time, I was not the face of my business. So mm. until, until the day that I'm delivering the service, you won't know that it's me. Ah, uh, I see. So, yeah. yeah. So I didn't really take things too personally. But even but to be honest with you, there are times where even till today, I have to really catch myself. Maybe I've had a bad experience with a client and it's rubbed me off the wrong way. It can affect my whole day. And mm. I have to remind myself that, listen, this is not personal. Sometimes I think, you know, is this person trying to make me feel like my, I'm, not, I'm not good at what I do? But then, you know, the next customer is the loveliest person. And I'm like, nah, it's not me, it's them. But it's okay. <laughs> Everybody has... Everybody has whatever it is that they're dealing with. I'm mm. not going to allow this person to affect me. But I think, to be fair, it's like a constant... Like, you have to actively remind yourself and actively try your best to not, like, take it personal or feel attacked. Because, like I said, your business is like your baby. So it's, it is personal, but we have to try to remain as professional as we can. Yeah, yeah, because I guess if you do take it personally, then it affects your judgment and then the decisions you make, the actions you take. And then you say, like, sometimes Mm. I just won't respond to like an email for like a day. Let me cool off. Or if if it's like a face to face thing, I just need one minute. Let me just gather myself. Yeah. And then I'll respond to you. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, go to the to- just say I'm gonna go to the toilet. Shout at the mirror a little bit, kick the door, and then just be like, wash your face off, and then go back in and be like, Bruh, right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, definitely, I, I I hear that, I hear that. Um, so last last couple questions, and I guess the the next question I have is about um, like hiring people, and or or contracting people in or bringing people in to work uh i guess work on on your vision in in essence um how do you vet and assess who the right people to work for you are and can you ever really be sure about the people that you're bringing in you can never really be sure people are going to be people me i pray i can't lie i pray i pray <laughs> Yes, I don't I yeah. don't want the wrong people in my business or around me. So if this person isn't right, God reveal it to me somehow. And sometimes people show themselves. Um mm. obviously you go through the whole application interview process. So it actually allows you to whittle down people. Um and then trials like, you know, trial run, you know, the same way in corporate in, in um organizations you have probation periods and things like that same thing like why not yeah. Um, yeah and i think also just understanding that no one is going to be there forever so you know yeah. what's your goal um and how can the time that you're in here help you achieve that um I know that some entrepreneurs take it very personal when people leave their business or their organization. It's not personal. 
This person mm. is on their own journey. They have their own life to live. They were with you for a season. They played their part and it's time for, for the next one. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really big point actually because I've definitely seen um so like some entrepreneurs get really down when people are like leaving or I've heard stories about like people being heartbroken that certain people have have, have left their company but I guess it is part of the game, right? It's part of the game. Life. Yeah. It's life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, last question for you, Pedro, and it's been a really insightful podcast. Like I've learned a lot of little nuances about business that I'd not really, um, thought about before. Um, so I'm excited to listen back to this when I'm editing so (laughs) that I can fully cement them in my brain. Um, but, uh, one of the things I'm really interested in with all my guests is understanding what their long-term visions are. So in my in my head and my my goals i guess before i leave the planet um are to leave like really uh uh just to leave bodies of work so the book being one thing potentially an album and potentially like a live action show for the book those are the three things that in my lifetime i'd want to leave on the planet as my you know long term um i guess that's part of my long term vision so for you, what are your long-term professional and business goals that align with the legacy that you want to leave behind? Wow, it's a good question. I think for me, it's about people. Um, the impact that I can make in the lives of people um, mm. to be remembered as someone who, no matter how small, helps transform somebody's life. You know, the reason why I started my my YouTube channel is because I know that a lot of people do have potential in them. But, you know, sometimes people don't really know how to bring it out. Um, mm. And actually, you know, you, we all have something inside of us. So all you need is that little push or someone who actually believes in you to help you get to that point. Um in terms of like my businesses, creating these memories, these memories that last forever for these people mm. in terms of beauty, you know, helping women love themselves for who they are and be confident in themselves and, you know, in who they are. Um, if you just have one life. And I think for me, it's about how can I do more than just me? Because once I'm gone, what else is there? You know, I want to have deposited in people's lives so that Mm. they know you can do this, you can achieve this, you can follow your dreams. It's never too late to start. Um, You know, you can live a very fulfilling life. You can live a full life as well. Um, So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, man, impact, impact. It's a big one. It's a big one. Yeah. I'm sure like a lot of people when they hear entrepreneurs talk, they're like, oh, they're going to say, I want to become the, I want to reach this amount of net worth or, you know, have a business that. uh, (laughs) (laughs) What number are you putting on it? What number are you putting on it, Pedro? Do you know, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, I haven't put a number on it. I'll be honest with you. I know these things are going to come. 
Mm. So that's not like, but these things are very fleeting. Like yeah. they don't necessarily satisfy me. They're going to come because I work hard, but it's like, okay, after this, because you can't take any of this with you to the grave. Yeah. So in the same way that I am very big on helping people create lasting memories, I also want to create lasting memories for myself, for my loved ones, for people who encounter me. Um, so like, yeah, the money is going to come. The money is always going to be there. But that's not enough for me. It has mm. to be more than that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um Thank you for sharing that, Pedro, and, and thank you for um, being on the podcast today. I think, like I said earlier, it's been really insightful. I think for those people who are looking to jump into entrepreneurship, there's a lot of nuggets that they can take from this podcast. And even if they're not trying to be an entrepreneur, just to have that awareness and something that could help them just in general with business and applying some principles in their lives as well. I think there's a lot to yeah. take from it. Um, for the people that want to um, follow your journey as an entrepreneur or um, find out about the, you know, the, the businesses that you have, you may have a potential customer listening right now. You never Hello. know. You never know. Um, where can they find you? Where can they? Yeah, this is just a plug section, basically, basically. So, yeah, away, away, away you go. So I know I've spoken about my YouTube channel a bit. It's called Navigating Entrepreneurship on YouTube. Um, my personal Instagram and Twitter are Peju Odonye. Um, and on there as well, you will see the links to all my businesses. Um, so there's Evented Limited, there's Symmetry Beauty, Symmetry Bridal, Journey to Forever. That's my book. Um, yeah follow me check me out holler at me if you have questions I'm always willing to answer so yeah sick there you go people you heard it there go um go check all those places out and I'll put them if you're listening on YouTube in the link in the description on Spotify it'll be somewhere you, you'll find it Try, I'll put it there don't worry don't worry <laughs> Fedri. You, I got you covered um yeah, thanks again for, for being on the podcast. Uh, for everyone listening, thanks again for being on. Um, if you like it, leave the like on YouTube. Do that subscribe thing if you want to see more. Um, and yeah, I'll catch you on the next podcast. Bless.